Generation FM. We've got a special te- test podcast today. We've got three people on the microphone at one time. That's a world record on three microphones. And um, uh, we've got two people, two guests today. We've got um, Bryony. St- now, I always have to ask this. Do you guys give out your name on the internet? Because obviously people can stalk you as soon as you do. Well, my name's already on the internet, so they could probably stalk Bryony me. Bryony Stewart, yes. local children's book author that's taking slowly taking over the world. <laughs> um, how are you doing, Bryony? I'm, I'm well, thank you, James. Nice to be in the studio with everything up and running. Is it cold? It is. I'm, Should I'm, I get a heater? Is I should invest in a heater. Yeah. I think eventually. It's not quite like the James Bond Ice Palace, but yeah. it's it's close. I am I wearing can actually a turn, hat. <laughs> I can turn all these lights on because this is leftover from. Will a that set. make it warmer or just brighter? No, it just makes it more like James Bondish. Oh, okay. Well, I am wearing a hat that I bought in Russia, so oh, I so mean that nice kind of symbolises that it is somewhat cold. I actually find these headphones um, keep me quite warm. I've been wearing them around even when I don't have them plugged into stuff recently because it's. Cold. I think that's why they make earmuffs, James. Yeah. Maybe you should get some. Yeah, they'd probably be warmer. Yeah. But you can't plug it into an iPod. Like, I can just walk past my iPhone and go clunk, and then I'm suddenly connected to something. I feel like I'm part of the electronic world. You know what? I think you'd make a really good um, cyborg. Yeah. Are you going to slowly invest in, I'm, in I feel like machinery I'm a, body I'm parts? a tech, technology artist. Hmm. And so, you know, technology being one thing, it's a, me, James, versus technology to take over the world. Because at any second, the computer could crash. The camera could stop going. Right. So your enemy and friend is technology. Yeah, basically. Frenemies. Do you guys ever have that problem? That technology just ruins Mm. your day? I I guess I don't deal with it quite as much as you do. You know, if if it really pisses me off, I can go outside. But this is where I sometimes wonder if about just general, you know, other people that aren't actively seek out technology, but then sometimes, oh, you know... My phone, you know, cell phone signals drop down. I can't even use my phone for the simplest thing, you know, rather than worrying about 3G speeds or something like that. Yeah, well, you know that I I was I was very much against the mobile phone kind of generation when it came about. I took a really when long time. I was, I was several years into uni before I ended up getting a mobile phone. Oh, I really resisted. Yeah. I really resisted <laughs> it. And, you know, I do find myself getting really annoyed when, when it the battery dies now and... I need to make a call or whatever. It's just, I don't know. I used to think the phone box was like enough for the world, but yeah. But they're kind of gross. Hey, we, so. Yeah. When was the last time you used a phone box? Anyway, I should before I go through, I should introduce our second guest, Amy. <laughs> yes. Do you give out your name on the internet and get stalked? Um, we'll just go with my first name for now. <laughs> just Amy, and yeah. uh, she is a a writer mm-hmm. who, but like a film slash TV writer. As opposed to Bryony, who's a children's book author. Um, and I've recently told by you that you're starting up your own website or your blog to... Uh, yes, my wonderful little blog. Do you wish to promote that? on the, uh, I yeah. don't know if I should. I haven't done much. <laughs> but um, This might encourage you, though. Now. Yeah, or guilt me into doing it. Um, story alchemy, one word, a blog spot. And basically, I just, you know... When I watch TV show, movie, anything I come across like that, or even a trailer, I just sort of pick it apart, and not in a New York Times highbrow kind of way, but more in a, does it work for me? How could I improve that? Does it feel like an entertaining, solid story? Is that why you wanted to get into films anyway? You're like watching this and go, I could do this better. 
I think you've got to have an element of that. Um, that's like egotism. But I just love stories. You know, I um, apparently I used to read, read. <laughs> uh, I just did bingo quotation marks because I'm really cool. Um, I used to read stories to my brother when I was two and he was a baby. So either I was a child genius or I just loved repeating stories. So. Wow. And touching. what about you, Brian? Does that, do you feel, is that how you were like at all interested in saying writing? Is like, I could do better than these bozos out there. Or you feel like. Um, no, I, no, I just think I always enjoyed reading and I read so much that I started to, when I, when I sort of was thinking about things, I was pretty much just narrating everything. And so it was just a really natural... That inner monologue. Natural, yeah, natural like progression. Like Scrubs. <laughs> kind of, yeah. And yeah. then, and you know, I ended up having a lot of time on my hands catching public transport, so I just started writing in journals and writing about everything. And then I on, started on writing... The bu- like so on the bus. On the train, yeah. And, and you didn't have people, like, looking over your shoulder. Sometimes, but I didn't care. Because you didn't, like, <laughs> write, like, I know you're watching, you know. Yeah. Oh, I think awesome I did sometimes, and then they'd yeah. sort of just look away and pretend like they weren't <laughs> looking at all. Yeah. I would be, I would be like, gutted if someone was I'd be like, like <gasps> and then I killed him, and, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was a man behind me. Mm. On the bus, and I, and was I thinking took of out my again. knife. Well, I think I think when you're a, a teenager writing in just like a notebook, people don't really take much notice of you anyway. You're not. I think you're a little bit invisible, as long as you're not. Oh, unless you're it. doing it to sort of get a bit of attention. No, definitely. like look at me sitting on the park bench, you know, writing into my journal. Maybe you know, you'd oh. notice that because you are a writer, but I think a lot of people <laughs> don't really notice people writing so much, you know. I don't know. Sort of freehand these days. It's just. You think that's gone? Yeah, I think it's pretty. Do you, do you think someone's out there with a laptop sitting on a bus or something? Yeah, but see, oh, but then if you saw that, you, you'd just be like, oh, they're doing work. I'd just be like, what a wanker. <laughs> oh, really? I don't think I'd think too much of it. I would do, care. Do, do you guys still use paper? Me. In general, yes. <laughs> like for writing? Or? Oh, of course. Um, at my work, which I'm not going to say where it is, um, in case I get in trouble. Uh, I write notes to myself all the time on post-its. Even now, my bag is just full of mostly post-its of notes. I don't always mm. look back at them, but I just need to write them down in case you know it goes away. I know some people say that if you write it down, just remind yourself, you know, you should just stay in your head anyway. You shouldn't have to write it down like an idea, not a whole story. And if it's that strong, it'll just stay in your head. But I just don't want to let one go in case it, you know, is valuable. I used to work at a liquor store. Um, we used to get heaps, like, every Tuesday we took down the specials and we just threw out all this paper and I used to, like, steal the paper and just, like, write notes on the back of special tickets and, um, you know, put them in my pocket. Yeah. And I come home with this pocket. I'm like, what was I thinking? Did you keep... I've got a whole, like, yeah, I've got, like, a cardboard box full of just come home every night and just dump them in there. And then if I needed to go ever go back, but like you said, you usually remember it anyway yeah, by writing it down. Yeah, time. Even when I worked um, in school, I worked to like check out at um, Coles. I used to get the receipt roll and I used to like push the button so lots of paper would come out and I'd write on that. But when you actually go back and you read something that you've read by hand, it kind of brings back the moment a little bit more vividly. Like there's mm. some kind of slight sort of intimacy in, in the fact that you've written it by hand or that the words that you've chosen to describe it that you might not have kept in the memory. You've got the essential memory, but then it might just jog some 
slight essences of the 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 thing mm. that it was that can kind of make it seem a bit more real if you're actually trying to use it for something. Yeah, I always I try. I've recently I've tried to only write down technical stuff because um, like like what like um you know it should be this should be set in the year 2012. Do you know what I mean? I don't like... Because if I write down, oh, like... like an Armageddon thing? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I'm just... Yeah, that's what I've got in my head. Because that, you know, movie is controversial in, in my head. Um, but um, I won't talk about that for a moment. <laughs> but, like, I, I like if I seem to... If I go back to notes before I started doing that. I'll write down, you know, emotions like this person. You know, I've got a scene in my head that I'm thinking about. And this person, you know, is thinking this at this time. And then when I go back and read it, I seem to remember start thinking more about what's written on the paper rather than actually the thought that happens. So it's like, if I wrote, did not write it down correctly at the time, <laughs> then it, I, you know, then it's useless because it pops out my old original memory and it, I start filling it up with just this crap on paper that it was just a note. So if you miss key things from your head. Yeah. So that's why sometimes I don't like, correctly. yeah, read, don't like reading the back unless it's a technical thing because it kind of, I don't know, it just corrupts your original idea seems to because uh, you start thinking more about the note than the actual idea oh okay i don't i don't know if that makes <laughs> sense at all <laughs> i guess but I, it's different for everyone i think everyone's yeah. process is different mm. so yeah i'll just write notes to myself like oh less sentimental or amp up this part because i mm. think of it like i go over it i know that's probably not the most healthy way to go about it a lot some people write linear stuff i just kind of it's like a painting to me i do bits at a time and sections and I'll um, I'll realise oh no I've got to change this section to fit this section I'm constantly going back and forth So do you think that's the nature of writing a lot more dialogue because you do that writing sort of script type things would you um, I don't I don't know possibly I try not to write too much dialogue because it, it gets easy it's fun to write dialogue but then sometimes the dialogue goes nowhere and it's just mm. you having fun you know it's but it doesn't actually help story you know with like um writing you know books instead of like text do you well how do you make the decision whether you say in a book like you know the books i read a lot of it a lot of the text is not actually dialogue it's like oh this person said that and that's the text and it's not actually yeah. dialogue and it's he said yeah he said well i think i i try to eliminate as many he said she said as as you can and you kind of you know but you have to in some way be able to to point out who's talking mm. um because that's all you have in a book you know you've only got what's written there to know what's happening and sometimes people can get confused and sometimes if it's as easy as saying he said just to clear up that matter it's it's worth putting it in there because you don't want people getting confused about who's talking but you know if you can kind of I always try to go over and try to maybe make it one in one sort of set of dialogue, yeah. you know, you know, she looked away and then, you know, she, you know, you know, she looked away and then, and then you'll have the, the, the text. And then you kind of, you kind of, it just flows naturally on that. You think it's her talking. Yeah. You've got to establish um, who's talking basically, yeah. especially before you really know the characters 
and then from there, people you'll read he sh- he said she said, but your brain just kind of skips over it sometimes. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't really stand out unless it's yeah. every single line. Yeah, you know? I, I noticed that when I because when I was writing, I started doing that thing. I was like, oh, I hate repeating myself so much, saying he said or she said or or whatever. And you know, so I started trying to do this thing where I'd you know come up with different ways of pointing it out. But then that became really kind of elaborate and too much, and just you know, that actually became a bit of a a thing that you could notice whereas if you just had he said she said people just kind of skim over that and you know I looked back at um I looked at Cloud Street that Tim Winton had written and there was heaps of that in there and I I hadn't even mm. noticed it really yeah, start to pick because it up. that's what people are going to do on this podcast see they're going to start to I don't like to put it out but people everyone has their own speaking things like um or or something like that and then when it starts the listeners start noticing it then it really bugs them you know because yeah. once you start noticing something it really bugs you like like, like said, is the worst one. Like, 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 like. I've been trying not to say it so much, but I find that so many people around me say it so much as well that mm. I, it, it's like smoking, <laughs> I guess. Mm. It's probably when you're trying not to do it is when you do it the most. But mm. having like and arm and um, it's it adds to the naturalism of your writing. You don't want it to come across all undergrad and pretentious yeah, 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 yeah. And, and so removed from reality. You're like, who is this person? So I don't know. I it just depends. It's got to seem natural. It's got to flow, and that just comes with time and it comes with drafts. It, your stories will change. I find well, I mind change, depending. So mm. yeah, you were talking about um, how it's always. It's easy to write lots, lots of dialogue, but then you need to know where to cut it back. So, I guess people yeah, are, saying, I mean, are, are communicating more with their body language, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I've re- I've been writing fiction as well, um, and I I find uh, sort of screenwriting a bit easier in a way because you've got that visual, and you don't have to always. In like fiction, I tend to get mad at myself for writing, and he looked at her or he gave her this look or someone gazed out to someone else. You know, that to me slows me down. But I feel like I need to establish those things when I don't really need to all the time, I don't think. But with screenwriting, you just it's, it'll have the visual of it and it just saves you so many words. Hmm. Mm. Do you, with writing, because obviously you don't, ultimately it's not going to be on camera, like do you have to have that same problem where you're like, when is it going to become dialogue to more description? Like... So um, that people I think, get a, a feel for it rather than just hearing the characters say it. Yeah, I, well, I'm very much a an imagery type of person. I I rely a lot on description. That's always been my strength. Dialogue has always been a bit of a weakness. So it's something that I've worked on, and I have to balance out areas where I've just got so much. I've just saturated the description that it's actually pr- probably a bit unnecessary, and you get a bit bogged down in it. And then you know. I'll think, you know, is that enough dialogue there? Is that, you know, so I think it's just going through and reading it and reading it out loud. I do that a lot. And then you can kind of see where it's balanced, where perhaps you're being a bit self-indulgent in, you know, beautiful description or when, you know, you need to make some dialogue a bit more sort of natural or when you need action. But lately I've been trying to put a bit more action in because one of the massive things with writing, particularly for children, I think is, you know, the whole show don't tell yeah. Mm. So you need to really show everything happening. You need to, you know, try and, you know, use all the sensory um, description and, and so that you can get everything involved in, in what you're writing about. Um, Bryony is actually also a really talented illustrator and uh, her last book had a little bit of illustration. How do you decide, like, 
what is the process of deciding, oh, I'm going to put a picture here? Do you have restrictions with your editors? Do they say, oh, you can't put, you know, 500 pictures, you only put five in, or is it your choice? Um, I think, well, it, it, I think it depends on the editors. I think it depends on the books. Um, you know, if it's if it's a picture book, if it's a self-written picture book, I think you've got fairly free reign, unless something's really jarring and doesn't work with an editor, and they'll say, you know, oh, this isn't working, and then they'll say, why? In my book... You know, when, whenever I'm writing, I definitely always imagine it actually happening in my head as though it's a film in my head. So, you know, I've got an idea of what everything looks like. I've got the images there. But there are definitely some passages I write, I think, oh, gosh, I just really like to illustrate that. But then I think I've been writing... Um, sort of short novels, those ones that have sort of slightly larger words and they've got the black and white pictures inside, like Roald Dahl, that kind of thing. And you do have to kind of spread the pictures out fairly evenly throughout the book. You can't have, you know, a whole mass of pictures here and then, you know, a whole chapter that goes by without a single picture. So you kind of have to, I think, go through each chapter and find a couple of scenes from each each one and try and balance it that way. But I always I have my top picks that I know that I'm going to do pictures of. But then... And then some things I don't mind so much. And if editors say, you know, oh, maybe a picture here, maybe a picture there, then I'll just try and find the best thing that I can draw in the most interesting way to fit to fit to the text. Do you ever just, you know, just say no to the editor? Do you ever act? Um, I'd be a bit deeper about it. I don't know. Not so far because I've been really lucky to have really, really nice editors who are really clever. And, and on really... the same wavelength kind of thing? Yeah, well, I mean, I think they've liked what I've written for the essence of what it is, the mm. creative essence of what it is, and everything that they've criticised has been, you know, my own weaknesses, grammar, spelling, or just ways of phrasing it, the yeah. exact same thing but in a slightly better way for oh, children. That's what and, they're there for. And that's, that's totally fine with me because yeah. I've felt that everything the editors have ever said to me have been been true and have helped me improve my text. And yeah. um, so far I haven't come to the point where we've had any kind of loggerheads about anything oh, really? yet um you know no i hate it you know or, no. but we'll we'll see yeah. i've got to send my next manuscript next week to, to my editor so she may it's actually quite scary it's scary oh, really? than the last book so i'm a little bit concerned but but just i'm worried what they're th- gonna think about it maybe like? but see i'm prepared for that so if if my editor says um this is a bit scary i'd be like yeah, do you remember reading scary books as a kid of course like they're really freaked around I remember watching the movie of the witches, and I thought that mm, was pretty. That was when she good. like took off her wig and stuff, it was yeah. that was pretty scary, but good scary. Oh yeah, I liked it. And I love the Lego. I still think about the Lego in that movie. The, oh yeah. I don't know if you, if as you, you got to be a mouse no. and he had a. Lego I remember house. the mouse. Yeah. yeah. Well, didn't he turn into a mouse and then he got to yeah. ride inside his in own like Lego, Lego traps? And, and I was like, whoa, imagine yeah. if you could do that. But I thought <laughs> his grandma built it all for him because he was a mouse and he couldn't have built it himself. Yeah, but I don't think she bought it, did she? I think it was already there. Maybe. And then I guess, I reckon he probably instructed her as a mouse. She's like, move this here, move that here, click it in there, and then make a little trap. But I was actually talking <laughs> about books, like actual little books. Like, I don't know what kind of book this is, the next book is that you're worried about being scared. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it's the sequel to the last book. Oh, okay, yeah. So the last book was... Kamiko and the Dragon. You can Google that and go buy it. You can find it. It's even on Google Books. Did you know that? Yeah, I know. Yeah, that's, that's good. Not... You, well, can, you can kind. search it on Google and reference it or something. Although, well, I won't talk about I won't talk about. So it's on Amazon? Issues. Oh, really? No, I'd like to hear ideas. Copyright issues. Well, Google just had a big settlement for a whole lot of authors for, um, for copying 
books without really obtaining any rights. But you know you can't them. actually read the book on there. You can you only read... You read significant portions of the book. Oh, how much? Quite a lot of it. Really? They've only taken out a couple of pages, really. So mm. how much can they legally put up there? Well, that's the thing. Some In some cases, they've only put small amounts. In some cases, large amounts. But technically, I get a portion of the settlement, although I think it's only something like $63 or something out of the, the, the millions of dollars it just, is. Yeah, I thought it was illegal to electronically reproduce the book. It's become, well, I think it's the idea is just, a, it's just an index so you can search it and go, I'm looking for this quote from this book and I'll search all these books in Google's database and then it'll link to that book and then you can read those pages where the link, the quote is, but obviously yeah. Yeah, some people are like getting it Yeah, but like how much of the, of the book can you read when you yeah. find that I think quote? That's, I think that's the issue, and I think that's the debate with electronic like stuff at the moment. Yeah. I mean, there's the, there's huge reasons why it's awesome that, that Google's making this massive um, sort of library, you know, worldwide library of books that you can at least sort of find or find out where to buy them. But then there's also other issues of who's it serving and, um, you Money. know... And who, well, you know, if, if Google, well, yeah. well, you know, but then, you know, is it, is it, you know, directing them to sales where they can buy it for mm. the cheapest price that, you know, the author actually has lost a lot of their royalties, royalties on it because of clauses in their, their contracts that have sort of discounted the books and they're, they're being sold at 50% and then they only get 50% of a 10% royalty and, and things like that. I mean, the royalty issues and you know for writers it's quite a, it's quite a great area and it's something that I think I, I personally find incredibly confusing and I find all copyright issues and all the legal issues very confusing so you only a, get 10% yeah. that's the standard royalty so for 90% for publishers well it's not just for the, no, for yeah, the publishers it's for marketing Ooh, it's for the doing printers well. it's for the yeah. <laughs> isn't it all like cheaper now well, I don't know, but that that that's the mm. standard. Would you get more if it's electronic copy? If it's on like a was it a Kindle, whatever those things? Well, are? actually, I wanted to ask you about this because the biggest I, I know I should be asking Amy some questions about TV, but in America, yeah, the Kindle situation's caused a stir. I don't know if you've heard about this because really. it can what it can do is use text to speech technology to read out the book to say the blind because mm. they can't read it and they right. can, it's not obviously not in braille. Okay, now mm. the Writers Guild over there sued Amazon because they say you should pay extra for that book as because it's an audio book now. So you should pay the royalty for the original text and the book to get it. And Amazon's like, hey, but we just want to provide that here for the blind so they can... Yeah, well, it's interesting because there are, there are certain clauses in a contract. I've just recently gone through one, so I know, you know, and it allows for, um, you know, sort of providing books for you know audio purposes and stuff but then you know a lot of this online stuff it's kind of again who is it serving like it's great to provide services for people but at the same time are you sort of providing these services but then actually ripping off a lot of people who actually should be you know legally have the rights to you know being able to sell or provide these opportunities or if, if the publishers are providing audiobooks for the blind already then you know mm. it, it's kind of like yeah I think that's the I think that's where the issues come it's kind of who's it serving and you know when you put things out on the internet and you you know you can actually accidentally sort of over, override a whole lot of rights and and issues and legal issues and things mm. like that that are so complicated <laughs> so is it kind of irky, irky or you like don't care that these books get spoken out um 
you know, I, I try to be, I try to be aware of things that are going on, but essentially to me, it, it's hard to get beyond your own immediate sort of circumstances. And I'm trying to become more aware, but it's, it's very hard I think being any kind of artist, as you guys would know, you know, you're, you're your own manager, your own, you know, you're reading your own contracts, you're trying to understand your own accounting. And, uh, and can you I talk to everything. other writers though, surely? Yeah, you can. And you know, that's why I've become involved with um, the Society of Children's Book Authors and Illustrators in WA. It's, it's good mm. when you can actually start to get to know other people doing similar things to you but even still I think you know it's going to take me a good long time to actually feel like I understand mm. a lot of those issues. Amy when you were at FTR I don't know yes. about <laughs> going back you know many years but we had like some day where we had like an arts law person come in and just do a very brief oh, I think thing I about that day. No, yeah, I'm yeah. kidding <laughs> I'm kidding and um, it was just like you can restrict. There's so many things you have to deal with. You have to deal about, um, you know, mm-hmm. there's a different license for DVDs to VHS to online yeah. to, um, and there's a different regions. Obviously, there's like Pacific and Asia. I don't yeah. know. And then it was just like went over my head. Oh yeah, like, well isn't that what like producers and. And Someone's like, because you have to, if you put a song in your movie, oh, yeah. you have to get a license, a worldwide license if you want to frog us because a lot of music is licensed locally, not mm. worldwide. So even if you got permission to do it in Australia, if you got it into, say, a festival in Australia and did well and then it, someone internationally wanted to put it in and you didn't get permission for that music there, they, they could either charge you a lot of money for it or like this one guy I know he spent 2500 because... It got he went and got into Tropfest and then he got into Tropfest in New York, but it wasn't he only bought the license for Australia mm. and it cost two thousand five hundred dollars to license that song in for New York yeah. to play at the New York. But surely, Tropfest. um with everything being so interconnected, like on the internet and everything, just you should be more global about yeah. it, you know? I'd always it yeah, doesn't really it, it won't stop locally as much since you can just put something on YouTube or whatever. Yeah. I think I think some of the issues people have with globalization of things like that is the way that it can eventually affect the the sort of having local content or something. Like I know one of the big publishing issues with books at the moment is that, you know, people worry there's all these territorial issues about mm-hmm. sort of opening up the market. Um and people worry that, you know, if, if we do that then, you know, you the market gets flooded with all these copies of books say from the US um, and you can have cheaper versions of books um, coming in from the US of the same books now Mm. cheaper books is great but if some books have been appropriated for the United States like the first Harry Potter book it it became um, the magician's stone or something like that instead Uh, of the philosopher's stone the sorcerer's stone stone, that's right because they assume Americans well exactly and a lot of a lot of (laughs) that's to do with their own publishers no but the thing is like Australian books for instance especially for kids you know a a lot of people actually do manage to to sell them overseas but they Mm. do often have to make language changes and and stuff so if those books come back in from the states Mm. and they're cheaper then you know our kids will be reading these books and they won't have the kind of local or australian kind of language or specifics that kind of are i I think it really depends i mean they do make those language changes definitely but um there are there have been books i've read where lots of english references that i didn't know but in the back was a glossary so i think it's most of the time they will change it but it's still personal choice i feel 
Yeah, possibly, but I just I just think at the moment American publishers I, I I highly doubt would keep all the Australian idiosyncrasies well, in in the things. They would want yeah. it to be trash can oh, instead of rubbish They're going to want a or... lot of things. People will want to change a lot of things, but yeah. I guess it's depends on your contract and everything as to how much you are comfortable with changing. Well, well, yeah, it would be, but I mean, obviously, you're happy to make those changes if your if your book's getting sold to children in the states, mm. but you don't want that same book from the states oh, to come yeah, back I, into Australia. I understand Australia, what you're saying, you yeah. know, because you'd rather keep the version you wrote for Australian children. Yeah, I mean, I definitely understand Wouldn't what you're you saying. Would you rather to just have not have just you make one book and that's it, and then that's... you can sell the license to? Yeah, unfortunately, there's a thing called publishers that want. <laughs> it's the, all the minimum. They want the who book want to, to keep sell, this world separate, and they think I if think. They, you know they see there's all these words and people don't know them or just cultural references. They just want to mm. change it a little and just so it will sell. People yeah. understand it. That's all. But I yeah. think it's it personalized with the author how much they want to change. And some people are fine with it completely, and other people might not want to make all the changes but it's just it's a personal thing yeah but i mean there are art changes like you know i know that you know a thong in the uk is mm. is not you know something you put on your foot and yeah. you know you'd have to change that so there's changes that you you'd definitely be prepared to make for another another country but that you wouldn't want to come back into your own country yeah. it bug you own. I know it I'm bugs like... me a little oh sorry sorry uh, i'm just I was, jumping in. i was having a little interlude here about yeah. you know on your spell checker i can't it yes, always realize I like I, they put a, a Z Reali- instead of yeah, an S or color. And color. I really it's, bugs it's me because you can't like, change it on my computer. Yeah, anymore. it's all of this. Um, well, you just you just have to put it in when it comes up in spell check. You just say add and it adds oh, it really? to the dictionary. Okay. Yeah, and I've just systematically gone through and done <laughs> that. Although sometimes. I think <laughs> my spelling's so bad. I'm kind of worried that I've clicked. Oh, you've add added a wrong the... one. Yeah, yeah. I've done that on my <laughs> I've done that on my iPhone, and so you know, it comes up every time. And if you, the only option is to reset all, and then you lose all your editions because mm. you can't just individually, do, at least on the iPhone, anyway. But anyway, you were saying about, um, you know, idiosyncrasies oh, no, between oh, the language. For me, you know? Yeah, for me, it's kind of like, while say for example, the US is a yeah, you know, it's a huge market. But you know what? It's I think who was the comedian that was was like you know well just fuck them. I know what a sidewalk is. I don't live in America. Mm. You can learn those things. Part of um, writing as an Australian is to have Australian references, even if you're not always conscious of it. Mm. And it's I just think it's interesting to read things from different cultures. And if you don't know what something is, you look it up. Yeah, there's I love Google. There's instant access to information, yeah. even if it's not always correct. There's yeah. ways around it. It's, it's true. And, you know, it's something that... But, I mean, can you can you change American publishers? Can you change... Oh, exactly. It really depends. At the end of the yeah, day... Yeah, it depends how much you want your book to sell. Yeah, but at the end of the but day, people I guess get away you do, with it, as know? an artist, you do want your book to sell, you know? Yeah. And, you know, to me, actually, if I had to make a, a few word changes for, for another yeah. country, that's totally fine because... You know, I'm only getting 10%, and so yeah. I want that to stretch as far and yeah. as wide across this globe just like, as, as yeah. possible. Just and take, I guess take me for all you can. <laughs> yeah. like, well, not is. not totally, not change the story or something, but, you know, those mm. few words or whatever, you know, you can, well, I um, can let it slide. Amy and I were originally coming on to talk about TV shows, and <laughs> Sorry. I'm supposedly well, having... the nature so- of this is just to let it flow, so... But we yeah. all write. But I just wanted to segue. I don't make films. I <laughs> know. Oh, well, you can talk about this as well, because I know personally that you're... Um, been taking interest in this as well, Bryony, but like certain shows coming from Britain to the USA, um, such as The Office. Mm. I don't know. 
I know um, Bryony has been um, borrowing some of my office episodes. Yeah. The American? The American office. Oh, yeah. I and you've obviously fan. seen the original because I think yes. you've got the yep. DVD yep. set I've of the original. The original. Yeah. Yep. Um, so what do you guys think about that kind of stuff coming where they completely change it going from Britain to the Oh, US? completely change it? I'm, I'm in favour of them completely changing it. Yeah, yeah. What I'm not in favour of is, is like a complete copy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. which is the American Office first season. First season. It's, the first episode was pretty much a copy of the, the script from the UK and you've really got to make the changes so it feels like an American I reckon, office. and that's the was worst that episode of, of the... Was that part of the deal, uh, though, in selling it, that they would do... The first season, the same as... I don't... I doubt it. I really doubt it. I think it was from... It could have been. I don't know. I wasn't there in the boardroom while these decisions were being made. But you look at the talent that were on the writing staff and that they chose... I don't know why they would choose to go with that. Maybe Mm. it was. Maybe they had to do it. But I couldn't imagine Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant thinking, yeah, yeah, just use this script. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Well, maybe, they, I maybe think they, they just thought, want the money. I yeah, maybe, maybe they just thought, yeah, whatever, you know, not thinking it'd be that great. But they've mm. already made their great show. But, you as, know? but it didn't just franchise in the US, but there's one in like France. And oh, yeah, I think there's one in uh, Argentina or Chile. Yeah, one of the there's American quite a few thought. different versions. And it'd be interesting if they all used the same script for yeah, the yeah, first yeah. one. Well, I'd understand kind of if it was a non-English speaking mm. version oh, of, <laughs> of the same thing. But yeah, the American one was, well, that first season was terrible. I'm, I am a fan yeah, of the I, American office but only after it, they've come into their own yeah i tell everyone don't watch the first season yeah, yeah, just yeah. go straight to the second and you'll be fine yeah. it's it's established by then it's its own entity well well the actors have had time to take on their own characters and the mm. writers have made the characters uniquely yeah. th- their own so it it, it feels it, like some other office yeah. somewhere else with different people in it but it should start thing. from the writing mm. and then directing and and that establishes what the actors are gonna basically portray so you really need to work out what you want what you what the tone and you've got to be able to picture in america like what kind of office this would be rather than just you know do you think if you hadn't seen the do you you think if you hadn't seen the original office do you think the first season of the office would have been okay (sighs) i really don't know it wouldn't it just seemed a bit stiff to me Mm. yeah it did seem stiff but I can't really separate myself yeah, from yeah, not it's hard. seeing I, saw, it. I sit yeah. there just going, could I, could, could, could I separate myself? <laughs> but then there's something like um, Kath and Kim, the American Kath and Kim, which oh, I, I don't think seen. works. <laughs> I've seen a couple of episodes and it just it doesn't work. They've sort of taken the bright colours and kooky characters without really um, grounding them. The mm. thing is, the Australian one's a satire. It's a set of like especially in Melbourne. It's I'm I'm from yeah. Melbourne originally, so oh, okay, yeah. driving so past very... yeah, all the references to like to the IKEA and um the shopping centre they go to used to be my old shopping centre. So you know, those oh, kinds really? yeah, yeah, just little things like that. And you you're like, Yeah, I know people like that. And even like you know when you're like that yourself. Mm-hmm. But instead of um instead of doing it like the American office in the second season of creating their own Kath and Kim, they've kind of just gotten acted. Okay, first of all, Selma Blair, she's not a comedic actress. Mm. Mm. She's not. Anyone's seen Cruel Intentions? No, she, comedy's not a you know strong point of hers. But the the mother, who, mm. uh, Molly Shannon, Molly very Shannon, talented. She's, you know, yeah, it's comedy actor. Like. Yeah, but the problem yeah. was okay. What I would have done um, if I was over there, I would have gone to a shopping center in maybe <laughs> you could do like Minnesota or something. I mean, no jokes on the midwest but just <laughs> something like that 
and you got to go to sort of the heartland of that yeah. kind of shopping center culture and tackiness and trends mm. and that kind of you know ordinary sort of average life and and but they didn't. Yeah, yeah. They, they just, just kind of made it bright and kooky and camp, which can work like Ugly Betty first season, yeah, yeah. but it just it didn't have that essence. It wasn't grounded in anything. So have you guys ever seen the show Coupling? Yes. In Britain? No. Yes, I've seen the British um, show and I've seen a bit of the American. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was going to talk about. The Brian, who mm. doesn't know, it's written by the people, um, the same guy who did Press Gang. Yeah, right. Stephen Moffat's my yeah. favourite screenwriter in the yeah. world. <laughs> so, um, do you, have you seen the Press Gang? Ages ago. Yeah, yeah. When yeah. I was actually really little. You should, I've got <laughs> the DVDs. You should borrow them. It. Yeah, they're really. It's really you should good. Watch them. It holds. Yeah. I, like it's a little bit dated. Yeah. But I reckon the writing holds up. Yeah, that's that's the thing because his writing it's was amazing. really good, and even like the actual the British show is a bit like some of the acting's a bit. I find a bit off-putting. Oh, for the coupling? The British version, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Are you going to name names here? Um, no, it's it's just like some things, some of the jokes just really fall flat, and I think the writing's still good. But that could be said of any comedy. Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, but it's, um, I'm not knocking the show. I love it. <laughs> I have I have the whole DVD set. Yeah. I love it. It's I'm a bit awesome. of a stand for Stephen Moffat. But so. you know, I thought it was interesting that it came back to the US, and I saw mm-hmm. a couple of episodes, and I still yeah. found it quite funny because yeah. it was a script that's... Because they kept the script exactly. They didn't even change it a little <gasps> bit like the uh, a US one. I thought I it still kind of held up, but I you know obviously stopped watching because I've already seen the British version. So. Maybe it's like a Starbucks approach. You just keep it the same in every area regardless of the yeah. culture. and mm. I, I thought know. you know that show Life on Mars. That yeah. that's one that they've done a an, an And you've seen the the British of. one? I saw the British one and I I didn't mind the British one. I thought it was okay, but I think it's also because Britain in the 70s had they just made it look a lot more fun and appealing like they've gone to you know New York in the 70s and and they kind of seem to be they're not sure if they're trying to make it a gritty crime show Mm. or they're trying to make it kind of quirky I don't know I think the UK version sort of got the right mix but got the tone better yeah Yeah. well I think I think there was the comedy coming out of the methods that the cops used back then and Mm. he was kind of like taken aback he's just like you can't just punch somebody in the face to get a (laughs) a statement out of them but in the American version Mm. yeah it just struggled he doesn't even seem to care he seems to be more aggressive than any of the other people it's just weird I think yeah yeah, I think they made the decision to make it a bit more serious yeah Yeah. but it doesn't really work it just no that's well, that's they when, may as well have just made another crime show. It doesn't even need to be set in the seventies. It doesn't even look like it's set in the seventies. Yeah, 70s well, that's anyway. one of the trickiest things is setting the tone so it works. There was a show, a uh, comedy show called The Loop. It had um, oh, what was his name? Brett Harrison or something. Anyway, it tried to be a little bit like Scrubs. Uh, a little bit like Arrested Development, and kind of zany and wacky. But it was just filmed on. I think it was um digital or something but so yeah, yeah. the um the way they shot it and the writing were uh, didn't sit well together it didn't really mesh and so you got this weird sort of comedy but it just it didn't look quite like a comedy or maybe we're not used to seeing um things filmed like that yeah it's just it didn't work and i just think tone you've really got to get that right from the start or it's yeah, never going to go, get off the ground you got to just give it everything conviction like yeah it's like, gotta be solid it's like a, especially it's if I'm, you know channel the kind of comedies that you see on channel seven and nine mm. um you know i find 
like they American just don't take comedies? it the no Australian comedies like made what are the Australian Australia. comedies around at the moment though I don't know there's there's one show which is I think is actually getting is already being remade in the US it was called Sit Down Shut Up yeah where, I heard about it I'd never heard of the Australian version but I've heard of the American have you seen the American version apparently it's no, a, it's a, a cartoon. animation yeah and remake it's got, of an Australian sitcom yeah, comedy uh, show which Mitch had Mitch Hurwitz who created the show yeah, runner and for so, Arrested Development yeah so he's yeah. like one of the Creative one of the greatest shows mm. in the world. He's suddenly done of a show which I thought was the Australian show was actually really bad. Like I don't know about you. Guys. But sometimes people just like the concept. Yeah, yeah, maybe. It doesn't maybe. have to be um, a great show, but they just like the concept. I would have just done the sneaky way of just changing it a little and you yeah. know, not having to pay the rights. But um, if it bears little resemblance to what it's you know copying, it why do they keep the name? I don't understand. Maybe it's the name they liked. <laughs> sit down, yeah. shut up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sit down, sit, shut, shut up. up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have to find a copy of that somehow. Are there people out there that kind of do that? They just try and like create websites and stuff like that with cool names and and dot coms and yeah, stuff, yeah, yeah. so that people have to go and buy them off them mm. when they actually want to use. Yeah, them. exactly. Yeah, I hate people like that. Um, what are they called? Uh, somebody squatters, somebody, cyber squatters. Yeah, there's somebody. There's some brinystuart.com oh, that, really? that is like oh, really? a Buffy fan site or something. It really annoys me. Well, that's it. You Buffy's know, over. It's, it's always oh, a shock. It you always forever. hear stories about people who find out that their names been taken by porn stars. So when they they're a legitimate like a politician. Oh, like in How out. I Met Your Mother. That was a that was a storyline. Oh really? Yeah, he found out there was a porn star with um, Ted Mosby. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, and I just can I just say, um, going back from to the coupling conversation, yeah. I think uh, "How I Met Your Mother" is the American sort of equivalent yeah. of the British couple. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They both that has sort the of analyze society and social, yeah, yeah. and you know, dating and relationship situations. Like um, "How I Met Your Mother," they brought in the Lemon Law, yeah, yeah, where yeah. you give them a card saying, you know, if if the date's not working in the first five minutes, you can Lemon Law them and just be able to leave straight away and not make it awkward and sit through a whole dinner or anything. Yeah, yeah. Just little things like that. And sort of theories on life. Definitely. Like the crazy what is the lemon scale? law? How, how oh, could that okay. work and somebody not so you be have offended? The, yeah. but that, how could that really actually work? <laughs> well, no, the but theory if, is if it's in the first standard, five minutes, you yeah. barely invested anything. Yeah, yeah. It's like speed dating almost in a way. Right. And, but then somebody would just be like, loser, you didn't even give me a chance. <laughs> yeah. Loser. But would you, knowing that they felt like that, would you want to go through like a couple of hours? And prolong the agony. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, so it's better to do it quick. Yeah, like, it's like ripping off the band-aid. A, yeah, band-aid. Yeah. Well, come on, the only thing you could find out in five minutes is somebody was ugly, and then you <laughs> oh, know, maybe that's, no, it. that's really apparently established in the first couple of seconds. Yeah, so they could do that. Mm. So, okay. what is there a, a limit? You can't do it before. If it, Oh, this is just seconds? an example I use. <laughs> it, it was like a five-minute thing. Okay. It, within five minutes. You know, I definitely see that. How I Met Your Mother should should have been what. The American coupling, if yeah. they want it to be successful, should have been. Yeah, it has the same qualities of yeah, different just aspects. Theories of on you know modern life and everything. Um. Anyway, so I think we'll just wrap this up here because yeah. <laughs> it's been an interesting podcast. We didn't get any Skype in people which we were meant to do, but anyway, I'll uh, wrap this up. I where can we find you on the internet, Bryony? Um, <laughs> <laughs> on a Buffy fan site. Yes, yeah, don't go to brianystuart.com. <laughs> Buffy gonna... fan site. No, you I want... have a blog. You can either Google Bryony Stewart, and I'm pretty sure Bryony Stewart. I'm pretty dot come blogspot.com comes up. Yep. And you can see your illustrations and various things there. Yeah. And Amy, you? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Um, my oh, I hate the word blog for 
the thing that I write that's on the internet is uh, is story alchemy at blogspot so it's there no worries. Well, thank you guys for coming on and helping me uh, test three microphones. Hopefully uh, <laughs> one day we'll have a more organized show with actually something to uh, specific to talk about. But uh, thanks. Uh, catch you later on Jimmy Chef M. Okay, thank Bye. you. You can find the uh, Jimmerish FM website at fm.jimmerish.com. <laughs>